You're listening to Essay Talk, San Antonio's favorite podcast for local events, topics, and discussions involving the Alamo City. I'm your host and favorite retirement advisor, Zachary Esperiqueta. Today is Friday, July 9th, and before I get into this week's guest on the show, I want to give an update on the state of the series, Essay Talk. Now, as you know, with the Essay Talk series, I'm really trying to create a discussion-based podcast that involves topics that surround the Alamo City. You can expect to hear thought-provoking conversations, um, opinions on here. Those are different things that you can expect to listen to on the Essay Talk series, whereas my other series, Searching for San Antonio, is more of just your typical interview. Not so much opinions, you're just there to learn more about the guest and the business or organization. Now that said, you can kind of hear in the intro of Essay Talk that I mentioned that this is supposed to include local events, current events, and that's something that in the old Essay Talk podcast that was provided in the first segment, current events, what's going on in San Antonio. And I know that a lot of listeners enjoyed that about the podcast, about hearing what was going on in the city and the news. That is something that I want to get back to eventually with Essay Talk, in addition to the conversations that you've been hearing on the Essay Talk series. Um, But that said, it's really important to me when you're having those discussions about things that are going on in San Antonio, uh, that you have another perspective to, to join you on. I've done a couple of episodes like that, talking about some current events solo. And personally, I just don't like doing solo podcasts like that. I don't like the idea of me just talking to myself and giving my own opinion with no other perspective. And and that's the benefit of having a co-host is having that other perspective. So what I am alluding to there is that at some point there will be another co-host joining me on the essay talk series um, to have those discussions and join me in talking with the guests that I've been bringing on. So that said, I just wanted to give that update. Um, so, you know, if you, if you guys are missing the current events and local events that I used to do on the old Essay Talk podcast, that is something that will be coming back um, at some point soon. But for now, like I said, I really enjoy having these guests on the podcast and having discussions that are relevant to San Antonio. Um, and this week, speaking of relevant to San Antonio, I have DeMonte Alexander joining me on the podcast. So DeMonte, if you don't already know, is the co-founder and director of public affairs for Bearfax, which provides important data for the city through polling, something that San Antonio really didn't have before. Now DeMonte served 10 years in the army and before coming over to Bearfax, he was the communications director and deputy chief of staff at City Hall. He's also been on the board for Move Texas and currently serves, still serves, on the board for communities in schools of San Antonio. More recently, along with six other individuals, DeMonte co-founded the Black Equity PAC. Now, this new political action committee plans to build support for black candidates in future state and federal elections, as well as weighing in on local elections. As you can tell, he is very active here in San Antonio and even played an important role in the 2017 municipal bond referendum, the largest bond package this city has ever seen. And you'll get to hear that from DeMonte. Before we get to the conversation, I want to give a huge shout out to the supporters of the podcast, April Monterosa from Live from the South Side, along with Sabrina Ortiz and Connie Pena. Thank you all so much for supporting the show. I really appreciate it. Listeners, if you want to support the podcast, you enjoy the content and you want to hear your name on the show, uh, be sure to visit the link in bio and click support monthly. I would greatly appreciate it. Um, But back to the discussion with DeMonte, you know, I usually cut out the beginning of the recording just because, you know, it's a Zoom meeting. And so when someone hops on a Zoom meeting, if you know anything about virtual meetings, uh, it's kind of 
you know, awkward and you're just saying, hi, hello, how's it going? How's your weekend been? Uh, but this time I'm actually leaving it in the beginning of the recording just because I really liked how we casually just greeted each other and, and got started and got right to it. I won't lie. Sometimes it's awkward starting out a recording just because of that reason. Uh, you barely know the person and it's kind of awkward. You don't know what to say. Usually you catch up in that or those early moments of a meeting. But if you don't know the person, what is there to catch up on? So, uh, But in this case, I was really looking forward to speaking with DeMonte. And it just served as a reminder to me how much fun I have putting together these podcasts and, and, and just all the great people of San Antonio that I get to meet. So like I said, I'm really excited about my sit down with DeMonte. I don't want to make y'all wait anymore. Uh, so without further ado, here is our discussion. Morning. Morning. How's it going, DeMonte? I woke up this morning, bro. It's always a blessing. Always. Doing all right. Have a good weekend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Had a good weekend, man. Got to play a little golf. Where'd Some you play play-up. at? Played over at the quarry. Yeah. Yeah. Man, it gets hot to... there during the summer. <laughs> it's a hot yeah, course to play. So they send people off the back first, you know, which is good because that's the, I think that's the hottest part of the course. So it, it was a good time. Well, I appreciate you joining me. Looking forward to, to speaking with you. Yeah, of course, man. Uh, thank you for the opportunity. Been looking forward to it as well. Been uh, catching the other episodes. You guys are doing awesome, man. I love the way you promote the show. Well, thank you. Thank you. I, I appreciate that. Had some wonderful guests. I was just editing the Any Baby Can with uh, Elise Bernal mm-hmm. and a um, wonderful speaker. And I just, I, I can tell, you know, when I speak with these nonprofits, you just like the, the passion always shines through oh, yeah. um, with, with their work. And they're just, they're meant for that space, that nonprofit space, most definitely. Right. But I'm excited to speak with you, DeMonte. I mean, I've been, I've known of Bear Facts for a while now. My girlfriend and I watch KSAT. So of course, we've seen you go in there and talk to Steve. I, I listen to Puro Politics pretty religiously. So, you know, I listen to every episode, but when I saw your name recently come up, I think it was like, what, about a month ago or so, you know, yeah, I was, yeah. I'm always excited when your name comes up on a podcast. So excited oh, to finally speak with you. That's cool to hear, man. You know, Gilbert's been talking to me about being on that show for probably about two years and he finally got around to me. So it was, <laughs> it was a treat. Uh, those guys are awesome over there at the Express News. They do, they, they work hard and, uh, I don't think a lot of people understand how, how tough it is to be a journalist. Absolutely. It's funny that you say that because, you know, technically with a, with a talk show, if you're trying to talk about current events, wherever you are, you are doing some journalism. I know earlier on in, in some of our episodes uh, before the, the rebrand happened, a lot of times in our first segment, we were trying to talk about current events and what was going on in San Antonio. What I found that we were doing which we shouldn't have been doing was really just going through places like the Rivard or, or the San Antonio Report, my essay, and basically just reading off articles and then maybe uh, adding a couple of opinions. But I mean, that's not reporting. That's not journalism. That's just reading off an article. You're just saving someone a click. Um, yeah. It takes a lot of time and energy to actually go out and find the true story, reach out to people that are in that industry or company um, that are in the know. And it's funny because you know, my my first eye-opening experience to that was when we had talked about something about Hemisphere, but had referred to it 
as oh just like a little park and and a courthouse and it was funny because i don't know if you know thea from hemisphere but she had reached oh, yeah. out afterwards and she was just like hey love the podcast i i know you've mentioned hemisphere a couple times but uh, we just want to we want to meet with you guys and and tell you that it's not just a park in a courthouse so yeah. <laughs> so i was like but, yeah we no, should have been doing a lot better journalism true story when i was at city hall my first opportunity as a communication director thea was a huge mentor of mine Thea was in the public affairs office, and uh, we sent all of our media requests to her uh, to edit or to fix them. <laughs> so I learned a lot from Thea. So she, she's an incredible a PR pro. Uh, anytime Thea reaches out, you know, she definitely gets my attention. But uh, yeah, that was cool. You know, to your journalism point and how hard it is, you know, when Bob asked me to write for the SA report, I was like, okay, cool. I just got to write my opinions down and, and send it to you. Yeah, okay, great. We have great editors. What I didn't realize, man, is how much research, to your point, how much research it takes just to write something even you're, in, you're even interested in. I mean, I found myself reading books, like reading old stuff. Like it's so much research just to push out one article. So I definitely agree with you on that. Well, I want to get started. I, you know, some of our listeners hopefully I already know who you are um, and hopefully I've heard of Bear Facts. But for the listeners who don't, I mean, kind of explain a little bit of your background and, and how you got to the role that you're currently in. Wow. I always tell people when you when you have nothing, you have to do a lot of, a lot of different things. So I started in the military. Uh, I was in the military for 10 years, served in Iraq. And that's how I ended up here in San Antonio. Um, I got into local government around 2015, where I had an opportunity to work at City Hall, where I did communications work a lot of community outreach work as well. Um, got an opportunity to work on the bond. I think the 2017 bond, which is the largest in San Antonio's history, I think it ended up being 1.2 billion. Uh, after that bond, uh, Roberto Trevino, uh, former councilman, asked me to come on and be his deputy chief of staff where I worked for a while just with neighborhood engagement, uh, just kind of like my role there. From then on, uh, I moved back to the current guy I work for, which is Christian, Christian Archer, we uh, do client acquisition for mass tort cases, but also we have a project called Bear Facts that we founded. Um, the reason for that is every major city in Texas has a polling organization that measures the, uh, the attitudes and opinions of the community uh, around public policy issues. And San Antonio didn't have one. And so we decided to launch uh, in January of 2020, which you know everybody knows how 2020 went. And, uh, and we decided, hey, you know, we had a huge idea for it. A big part of what we wanted to do was be out in the community, but obviously COVID stopped that. So we just kept pushing forward. We pushed out four polls in 2020. We responded right, right away with the pandemic. We felt like it was necessary to have a survey out there. So to help our our decision makers have data in terms of what the needs are for the community in terms of COVID. Uh, we responded re right after with George Floyd, the murder of George Floyd and the protests around police accountability. So we pulled that and uh, we went on to pull uh, some the aquifer and some other things. But anyway, we, we ended up doing four polls uh, in 2020. Uh, we've released one poll this year in May during the election, which I think we were spot on in terms of the results. So that, that's a little bit about who, me and how, how I got here. Why do you think the, the data matters? I mean, what, what got you, what was the reason behind it? I mean, I know you mentioned, of course, being that we're the seventh largest city and we didn't have an organization mm -hmm. that was doing it, but, but why does it matter? Why did the cities need it? Well, you know, to make decisions, you know, I think in the past, you know, although I think we had some sources of data, 
But uh, the type of data we gather, scientific data, where we have methodology, we make sure we're, in, we're removing bias. And I know there's organizations out there that have been doing this work. But I feel that um, to make decisions with data is so critical because it's going to help you maximize your resources and focus, focus the resources, whether that's time or, or, or funds, into an issue or into an area that actually needs it instead of guessing at it. And I think in the past, we've been doing a lot of guesswork, especially when it comes to racial equity and, and some of these other conversations we talked about during COVID, like healthcare, like, you know, it was affecting African-American, the people of color more than other folks. And so if we don't have that data to understand that, then, you know, we, we could really just be putting band-aids on issues versus just actually fixing them and knowing exactly where we need to allocate resources. Now, how are you going out and, and polling or how is Bear Facts going out and polling? And, you know, what are some of the challenges you face in doing so? So uh, we use a pollster. His name is Dave Metz uh, from FM3 Research. He's done, obviously, all of our bond referendums and also pre-K for essays uh, campaigns. So he's very familiar with this community. He's one of the top five pollsters in the country. So what happens is we start with our neighborhoods, which is where we are where we are now. We do a lot of neighborhood focus groups to gather information, questions, and issues. Because honestly, man, the root of it, that's where the issues come from is our community. So we want, we, we want to make sure that we capture that first. Our mission is to amplify the voice of the people. And in order to amplify their voice, they have to be part of that process. So we start there, we build a draft, then we send that draft to our media partners, which is KSAT essay report, so they can look at it, make sure that you know there's things in there that they feel are important, and also make sure we're, we're being accountable and transparent because obviously they have reputations to protect. And then we kick that up to our, our executive committee, which we've surrounded ourselves with a bipartisan committee to make sure, again, we're moving those biases. This committee is mixed of independents, Republicans, Democrats, men, women from all parts of the, uh, of the county. And then we kick it up to Dave Metz, who's our ultimate filter saying, hey, guys, this is the best way to ask, answer this question in a scientific way. Um, he does uh, about a sample size of about 700. That's through uh, cell phones, uh, landlines, Internet, you know, focus groups, if you can. And that and then we also do a translation from English to Spanish. And he does that until he gets a representative sample. And I mean by representative sample is that sample size, that 700 sample size need to reflect Bear County. Uh, precincts one through four, black, white, Hispanic, Asian, age groups, income levels, all those different things. And that's how we get our demographic data back. Well, and that's what I find so intriguing is, is trying to remove the bias from it. And I think that's, it seems really challenging. I'm sure you can attest to that. Uh, yeah. um, that is extremely difficult to do so. But I guess what I also find interesting is for certain groups of people, no matter how large they may be, sometimes the data doesn't matter to them. I try to position myself as bipartisan. Um, mm -hmm. I, I'm sure a number of folks can can tell you that I, I'd lean left on a lot of policies that I back or believe in, but I, I try to remain bipartisan. And I and I look at message boards and and social media and articles from all different kinds of places. Mm -hmm. And no matter where you look, no matter what data is presented, people because of whatever belief they have, it, it's not going to matter to them. And so that's why I, I think it's really interesting work that, that Bear Facts and, and that you do and other organizations like Bear Facts, because I think we're getting to a point, I don't know, maybe it's getting better. Maybe I'm just naive, but I, I think we're getting to a point in, in society in general where it's like the facts don't matter, like the data doesn't matter. I think what's important, uh, Zachary, is is to understand this, number one, you're not going to solely make your decision off of a poll, 
right? So the poll is just a snapshot that given day, that given time that it was, it was released. And so, you know, that things, depending on the climate and what happens, there could be a natural disaster since the poll has released or whatever. So the climate may change. And so that may ch therefore change the results. So it's important to know that that, that poll is good for that day and that period of time, right? So we, use, we should use polls as starting points to conversations to give us an overall direction of where we need to go and, and, and whether that data show. Now, obviously it's gonna take, uh, you take the, dumb, the numbers and that data and you start having larger conversations around uh, the issue. And I think that's where you capture some of those people who are, you know, maybe don't believe in the data or, or uh, just don't have faith in it. And I think that's what you do, you take the data, hey, here's where we start, here's what the data says we should do. Let's go out into the community, let's have a larger conversation, and hopefully not just one conversation, hopefully there's many conversations to bring many people into the conversation as possible. So you can get some true accurate opinions as far as, as, far as where we're going. But I will say a lot of this is political theater uh, when it comes to not believing in facts. I mean, we saw that uh, unfortunately during the height of the pandemic, and, and this is coming from the White House and some other places. You know, I, I know deep down people believe in the data, but again, when you add the political theater in there, it just makes it really messy. And especially when some of these folks are very passionately uh, supporting some of these candidates. And so it makes it difficult. In your time with Bear Facts, have there been any polls, maybe a number of polls that have been real eye openers for you? Whoa, uh, that's a good question, man. That's a really good question. I think they've all been kind of revealing in their own way. When our first poll, it was just a baseline poll. We really didn't know what to expect. So we just asked a series of basic questions. I think probably what surprised me the most, and this is probably a polarizing topic, is when we uh, polled on police accountability and we looked at the demographics and saw like who supported accountability and who didn't, I was surprised to see that some even people of color were not really on board with the whole movement for accountability. So that, that was revealing. I saw, you know, what was also revealing to me is that overall, you know, this is the big part is even through the height of the pandemic and everything we were going through with our, with our economy, San Antonio, San Antonians were still so positive about where we go forward. They're still willing to make investments. Into, into improving our community and getting our businesses back on the ground. So that was, I think out of all the polls up until the last, the last one, that, that was the most revealing to me is how compassionate our city is when it comes to just getting through difficult times. So that was surprising. But the, the, the last thing that surprised me was the very last poll. And, you know, a big part of polling is obviously you want to be accurate. And our last two polls were, you know, we released our polls two weeks before the election. So just to give the community a snapshot of what the election could possibly be. And with around Proposition B, it was so polarizing. And our, our data came out, you know, a third for, a third against, and a third undecided. And that's exactly how the election went. So just very, very surprised. Well, <laughs> I don't wanna say surprised, but very happy to see how close our data was to the actual results. So I think those, those were some highlights. Well, I also know with uh, Bear Facts that recently you guys had started a podcast about 10, 11 episodes in or? Uh, yeah, we are. Oh, wow. I think we are 16 episodes. Oh, so, okay. So, so what was the reason behind that? Just because when I had looked it up, uh, this was back when it had started. I saw that really what you're trying to do is kind of take the numbers, the data that you're collecting and kind of give it a voice. 
There you go. You hit it right on the head. We try to breathe life into the data because, you know, once the data releases, they're just numbers. And a lot of folks, I mean, majority of folks don't know how to read cross tabulations. They're just so confusing. Uh, not to belittle anyone. It's just, just, it's just crazy numbers. And if you, if you can't, if you don't know how to read it, it's very difficult. And so one thing that needs to happen is some, we need to take that data and be able to turn that into a white paper or do a study, which is why we're partnering, hopefully with the university here soon, so these students can do a study based off the data and they release that to the public. That's one thing. But uh, the, the, the other option to that is to, not, to take that data and bring in people to really talk about, or like I said before, breathe life into that data. For example, in every single one of our polls, homelessness has been at, and not, um, it's not the top, at least the top three issues, right? And so, okay, why is that? And so this is us saying, hey, we wanna amplify the voice. You're saying homelessness is an issue. Let's figure out what that is. So we brought in Kenny Wilson from, the, from Haven for Hope. And we had a larger conversation about homelessness and what it means and what he thinks the community feels like it means. Because again, this is what the study does. Our data just says homelessness is an issue, but we don't know if people are saying, hey, get them away from my businesses. I don't wanna see them in the street or hey, we're compassionate about them. We wanna make sure that they have the services they need. So we gotta answer those questions, but you can't answer those questions unless you start having conversations. And back to your, question earlier, you can't have those conversations and have a, a clear focus, a laser-like focus, if you don't have the data on telling you where to go or what to address. Now, Bearfax isn't the only work that you do. You're also with the San Antonio Report. Also, you do some, you, you know, you mentioned that earlier. And more recently, you've also been involved with the Black Equity Pack. I think that's fairly new, right? Uh, yes, actually. Um, so with the San Antonio Report, I don't write for them any longer. And I think those two kind of connect together. So we started the Black Equity Pack uh, Juneteenth of 2020. So a lot of folks, not only just San Antonians, but people around the country were figuring out what could they do uh, to help. And I think a lot of people put their frustrations and anger into projects, into organizations, into fund, you know, to donations. And so we here in San Antonio, we just decided that, hey, there is our way of helping is maybe a, long, a more long-term approach uh, I think everybody has their place in a movement. And, and for me, it wasn't, it wasn't at City Hall uh, screaming through a bullhorn. I think there's a place and time for that and people to do that. But for me, I felt like, you know, in order to start addressing some of these systemic issues, Black people have to be at the table. And not just, you know, any table, the decision-making tables in the, in the halls of government, in our businesses, in our communities, we need to see uh, equal, equal and equitable representation. And so that's where the PAC is we want to build a political infrastructure for black candidates. And we, now we don't only support black candidates. I mean, any candidate that reaches out and wants support, we, we, uh, we offer a handout, but essentially our mission is to do that. And so we started that in Juneteenth of 2020. And uh, we've been able to, in short time, uh, fund a few candidates already. Uh, we're still trying to find our win and kind of really figure out what's our identity. We had a, you know, we're really trying to do that right now because we jump right in in a, in, a, in a presidential election and also municipal election. So as a baby organization, there's a lot of kinks we still need to work out. But yeah, that's why the Black Equity Pact was established just to recruit, train, and support African-American candidates. Now, is it just going to be focused on, you know, Bear County, San Antonio, or is it trying to, you know, also include just candidates across Texas, across the nation? Fantastic question. And I think right now, I think our focus is here local. And we have, obviously we have to gain support here first, but ideally, yes, we formed two two separate packs uh, in one. So there's a 
state PAC where we can fund anyone from state level all the way down to school board. And then we have the federal side, so any candidates that run for Congress, which is obviously governed by the federal government. Um, we can also fund those races too, which is called a super PAC. We intend to expand, but we want to take it a little a one step at a time. We got to we got to take care of home first. Right. Now, what are some of the ways, because I'll be completely honest with you, I've never been involved as far as my job goes with with politics. So if someone were to ask me, hey, what, what's a PAC? So I, I couldn't explain it. Yeah. So a PAC is a political action committee. And uh, usually there's obviously they're, they're heavily regulated. Basically, it's it's an entity formed for individuals or corporations to dump money into to, to support a candidate or to support an initiative. So you have like, you know, different, you know, USAA has a PAC, you know, the real estate association has a PAC and there's different rules, like depending on what type of PAC you are, you can't give money to individually to a candidate. You may be able to buy billboards or, or whatever, but, uh, but certain PACs can give directly to candidates, but that's essentially what there are. They're funding mechanisms to support campaigns or, or initiatives. What are some ways you feel like you can get involved with the community and, and, and ensure that the African-American community is more involved, whether it just be in politics and just keeping up to date. The reason I ask that is because I even see some of the same struggles with the Hispanic community. To be completely transparent, I'm half Hispanic, half Italian, you know, so half white, half Hispanic. But I, I have these conversations with my father, who's Hispanic, that's the Hispanic side. And we, you know, we've talked about how there's a lot of the Hispanic community who they don't focus on on politics. They're not keeping up to date with the news. They're not watching, you know, they're not keeping up to date with the, the current events. They're they're focused on their family. They do their work. They focus on their family. And that's it. In in a way that's that's great that they're focused on their family. I think it's extremely important for a number of reasons. But in my opinion, they should be more involved and know what's going on in local government, in state government, in the federal government. They need to know what's going on. Do you see the same struggles in the black community? Yeah, I think every community uh, has their own issues and own the way they view things, right? You go into a go into any black barbershop or salon in the country, and you'll you'll see that. But I, I I think you know going back to if I can, you know that's the reason a big part of why bare facts is here, right? Usually when you when you get data or polls, uh, usually that goes to campaign managers, big executives, so they can see the data to make decisions from. But what we wanted is for the entire community is to be free and accessible to the community, to those, those very same folks you're talking about, the Mr. Jones and Mrs. Martinez is of the community who go to work every day, maybe two jobs, have kids, and just can't, just don't have the time to plug in or maybe not even have inter internet access because that's a huge issue as well. And so we, want, we wanted data, we wanted to provide that data to those very same people. So now they become informed. You know, they become engaged, they become an informed citizen and would hopefully be more civically engaged. Some of them may not vote. And maybe the, maybe having our data and that power in their hands would, would encourage them to go vote. And so um, you're, you're exactly right. But I think overall, we have to meet those folks where they're at. We can't just post on social media a flyer or put a radio ad out or be on TV expecting people to show up. We have to go out in the community, on their street, in their neighborhoods, and finding a way to reach and connect them about these issues. Some people can't work, some people work on the weekends. Some people have, you know, like, like you talked about, you know, the times are so different, especially for these folks. So we can't use the everyday mundane platforms to reach folks. We gotta be more creative and we gotta be willing to do the hard work because it is tough.
and to get out into those communities and talk to those folks, those kitchen table conversations about what really matters. And I think that's, I think that's true, true community engagement. What, what I'm gravitated to every day, man, is just this equity conversation, you know, and about being bridge builders. We don't, uh, I think uh, we had a podcast with Henry Cisneros, uh, the Honorable Henry Cisneros, forgive me, sir. Uh, he mentioned something that's just stuck with me since, and I, I talk about it as much as I can, is about being bridge builders, especially in today's climate. You have just polarizing sides, no matter what issue it is, you have this polarizing side from the left and the right. And I just feel we don't have enough bridge builders, people working in the middle, trying to bring those two sides together. And, and you don't have to, you know, they don't have to come to, you don't have to come to my side, but at least let's meet in the middle and let's try to find a way through. A uh, perfect example of that is when the mayor tried to uh, get some, get some, uh, headway with this economic recovery plan, right? And that included VIA. And I think, you know, there was some bumping heads there, but, you know, those folks stepped in, Henry Cisneros, Hope Andrade, and some folks stepped in there. They were bridge builders. They were able to find a way through that. And that's just one example. But I just ultimately, ultimately overall, I just want, I think there needs to be a larger conversation around how we can, with our differences, how we can come to the table and talk about the things we do have in common. And if we can take baby steps towards progress, I think that's number one for me. The big uh, conversation for me right now also is police accountability. You know, I've had several conversations with uh, the president, Danny Diaz, sit down conversations about where we are now, how can we move forward? And it's a tough conversation to have, but you know, one thing's for sure, you, got, you, have, to understand, you have to acknowledge that there's an issue first in order, in order for us to move forward. Well, and I also think going back to acknowledging that you just mentioned uh, the police accountability, I mean, they also have to acknowledge that, I mean, fix SAPD and Prop B, I mean, it didn't, you know, it wasn't a landslide, like it it did not fail in in a sense, you know. I will say this, I told Danny this myself, I said, look, man, I saw your, I was on KSAT that night, and I said, look, man, I saw your face when those results, early, early voting results came out. And it wasn't a face of happiness or, or pride or gratitude. I saw fear in your face. The takeaway, the biggest takeaway from this man is that, okay, you can, if you're the union, you can say, okay, well, why do we have to change? The community has spoken, right? And my response is, well, because you'll lose everything, right? If you don't take the necessary steps to make these tweaks in the contract, we're talking about basic accountability, the same accountability that you and I would be held to uh, if we were to misbehave in those in those ways, you can't fix those little things. You're going to end up losing the whole thing because, look, this scrappy group, this young scrappy group did not know who to call, where to go, what resources, didn't have any money, didn't know anything. And they almost brought the union to their knees. Right. Uh, and they so- were able to get the proposition on the ballot. It barely failed. But in my opinion, it it only failed because the other side they turned it into a defund the police, and they they started using that well that phrase. Well, let, let, there you go. So there's data. There's that data conversation for you, right? Remember, I said a third, a third, a third, right? So there's a third of people who are undecided, and whoever did the best in terms of messaging would win that race. And the data shows that no, look, I'm, you're preaching to the choir. When you say defund the police, I got it. I can filter it. I know exactly what you mean. But the majority of the community still does not sit right in their mouth about that word, right? And so they were able to look at the data and saw how unpopular defund the police was in terms of messaging in this community. And they used it. They used it to their advantage and then helped them win. And so that's 
from a campaign perspective, I understand it because it's a battle of messages. And so um, that's why, again, data is so important. You have to use it. You have to follow it. And hopefully um, you'll prevail using it. Just on the topic of police reform and just police in general, what I have noticed being that I've lived here in San Antonio my whole life is that we face the same issues of police accountability here in San Antonio. From what it seems like, it isn't as extreme as, as some other places, but the the, re- the need for reform is still there. But what's, uh, when you say not as extreme, what do you, what do you mean by that? I guess it's just from the media, from what I've seen, from well, what I've heard. We still have we still have black men being killed, just like any other. City. We still have issues with body camera footage being released, just like any other community. We have, you know, some of the same of the same mental health cases that end up. I mean, we just had them last year, just last year alone. Daryl Zamart Senior uh, was shot in his yard. You know, I hear that a lot, and I'm not saying that. You know, I know that San Antonio has San Antonio, our, our police department may be in a better position when it comes to, say, training and overall. You know, I think our police officers are held in high regard because of training and, 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 and things that they've accomplished over the years. So I believe we do have one of the better police officers association. I mean, you know, police officers in the country. I mean, that's without a doubt. But to say that, say that our issues are not as big as any other city, I, I just think we have the same issues as the rest of the country has. Well, and the reason I I bring it up is because I think that's, you know, going back to the messaging conversation, I think that is the issue. I I think, you know, the reason, again, going back to to what I had said was because we don't hear as much, or or at least it's not put out there as much, um, the the same issues. Like you said, the issues are still here. The issues are extreme. Mm -hmm. But we just don't hear about it as much, or at least not in the media is what I'm saying here in San Antonio. And and the messaging that comes across to us as San Antonians is, well, the issue isn't as big here. That That's the point I'm getting to is like well, the messaging I, part. I, I think every city, no city wants to, to tag themselves as the worst city when it comes to this issue, right? Every city wants to protect themselves. And I get why San Antonio would want to. And like I said, I know San Antonio has made some some great achievements in terms of their uh, police officers and just some of the things that they've done. Uh, but again, I think, you know, we're still having black men being shot, you know, in this city. I mean, I don't see how that's any different than any other city. Now, frequency, I don't know. I haven't seen the data in terms of how many ha- how many of them happen here versus around the country in other cities. I don't know. Obviously, Chicago has a huge issue, but obviously Chicago triples dwarfs our population, right? especially in terms of African-Americans, but also population. So that's just, just one of those things, just looking at the data. But, um, but so it's easy to say that. It's easy to say that, you know, San Antonio is different. Yeah, it's different in terms of size, but we still have those same issues that are serious. What do you think is the, the way forward for, for an organization like Fix SAPD? Well, I think, uh, I mean, I don't think I'm anyone to tell them how to move forward. They just, they took it and ran with it and, and were very successful in terms of where they thought they would be. But I think if I had to give advice, it would be just continue to stay organized. You know, and they'll tell you this is that that this election was never over. So this campaign was never over. There was a checkpoint and that checkpoint, they fell a little bit short at the checkpoint. They're a little bit behind. But I think this campaign continues. And I think as long as they stay organized, as long as they stay focused, and I think as long as they continue to make this argument about accountability and that's it. I think when we start getting off into these other conversations, the community gets confused. Uh, we start getting into some, some of these, um, 
and those fighting words, these words that kind of distract you and just keep it about accountability, man. I think everyone can agree that if a bad officer makes a mistake or, or does something criminally negligent, then they should be fired. And not only fired, but they should be fired for good and not being able to get their job back. That's accountability, right? You know, and there's, I think there's three or four other provisions that kind of are barriers to accountability when it comes to the contract. And I think as long as we just focus on, they focus on that, they will be just fine. A lot of times on here on SA Talk, being that it's San Antonio focused, whatever guest I bring on, I always like to kind of pick their brain and ask them some places around San Antonio that they they frequent. Sometimes, you know, it's places that are popular and people visit all the time. And sometimes you know, I come across a guest, they give me some ideas and I'm like, man, I've never heard of that place before. Well, Man, yeah, I've been all over the place, but I think one thing that one place that stands out to me, or a few places, is Mark's Outing. Mark's Outing's over there on Commerce Street on the east side. They used to be Fatty's Burgers, but man, their burgers are his burgers are incredible. So definitely check out Mark's Outing. I text Chef Johnny the other day because I used to go to La La Fruteria to get their street tacos, but I guess they're under construction right now. And uh, mm-hmm. but they had the, some of the best street tacos. And I can't forget my main man, Tony Gradney at Tony G's Soul Food on the east side. So if you have not been to Tony G's, definitely, definitely, a definitely, definitely got to try that out. Uh, Tony's been a great advocate for the community. Tony is someone who's invested so much in the community. He could have he could have moved out to the Dominion and, and done his thing out there, but he chose to build his home and, and take care of his family and his business right there on the east side. So I think those are the three places that stand out to me. Well, I'm going to try that out. I think I've heard of Tony G's. They, they have. I mean, I'm sure they've been mentioned. Yeah, it's, but. it's it's soul food, you know, hit you right in the soul. You know, it has a little bit of everything. If you if you need to pick me up, that's definitely <laughs> the way to go. Well, DeMonte, I, I appreciate you coming on the show. I'd love to have you on in the future. Well, I appreciate you, Zachary. I mean, when I found out about this podcast, I was just excited that just another outlet and somebody who's responsible, even with with your voice and your platform, man. And, um, you know, you reached out to me because you saw there was a little bit of equity thing there. So, I, you know, you're on the right track, man. You're, you're compassionate. You have the right uh, mentality and, uh, and you're focused on this community in a way that I haven't seen other podcasts or other, you know, anyone doing this type of work. So definitely appreciate you support you 100%, 110%, anything you need from me. I'm here and I will be tuning in to not only the previous episodes, but the ones after mine. So thank you again for the opportunity, man. That's going to do it for my conversation with DeMonte Alexander. We're going to take a quick break and I'll be right back with my interview recap, as well as my recommendation of the week and question of the week. So stay tuned. Hey guys, it's Zach. As some of you may know, I help people plan for retirement. And as your advisor, I can not only show you how money truly works, but put you in control of your money today and in retirement. If you're looking to schedule a financial review, please give me a call at 210-760-0409. Welcome back into SA Talk. In the third and last segment, I'll be doing a quick recap on this week's guest, and then I'll be handing it off to SA Lunchador for the local recommendation. Later on in the segment, I'll be asking my question, of the week. So I wanted to just say thank you again to DeMonte for joining me on the podcast. I really can't say enough how appreciative I am for his time joining me. I know I told him on the recording, and if you follow any of my personal accounts, you probably saw me post about it as well. I was really geeked out about getting him on the pod just because I've been following him since I came across Bare Facts, um, either early 
last year or late 2019. Um, and I just saw the work he had been doing for the community. Throughout the recording and just talking to him before and after, I could really tell how genuine of a person he is. Even in the initial phone call we had, which is typical of podcast guests, um, you know, we talked for like a cool 30 minutes just about my podcasting experience, which he had questions about, as well as the Bear Facts podcast that they're that they're doing. We talked about that um, and how they're kind of similar and different. And he really enjoyed just what I'm trying to do and how intentional I've been with the guests that I'm trying to bring on to the podcast. And I just felt like it was catching up with a friend, even though it was someone who I didn't know, right? And it, it didn't feel like a regular introductory call that I've gotten used to when it comes to podcast guests. It was important to me to keep this discussion real um, as far as the editing part. And I think for the most part, I did and we did. I liked how when I expressed a general feeling that I had, an opinion um, that I had almost formed, based on what I see in the media, not so much on research, he checked me on it, right? And we talked about that afterwards, which I, I liked that we were able to have that discussion. And I'm sorry that you guys don't get to hear it because that part wasn't recorded. Um, but instead of just, you know, agreeing with me and moving on to the next topic, uh, he challenged me on it and asked me to dive deeper into that thought and asked me why, like, why do you think that, you know, is this true? Um, and I think it's important to do with any discussion, with any opinion, um, any matter. Like I mentioned at the beginning of the show, this series, the Essay Talk series, is supposed to include thought-provoking discussions just like this. And it's supposed to include opinions and perspectives. And I think once I have a permanent co-host on the show, you'll see some more of that. Uh, but speaking of opinions and perspectives, as I was editing the episode, I realized that I said early on that I try to remain quote-unquote bipartisan. When I really meant to say that I try to analyze things with a bipartisan lens, I try my best to remove bias before coming up with an opinion on something, whether it's an article I'm coming across or a thought or a tweet or a post, um, something in the news, whatever it may be. Um, I, I just try to look at the opinions of both sides. Uh, I'm definitely not bipartisan. Uh, those of you who know me and maybe see my posts on Facebook or whatever it may be know exactly where my beliefs lie. I just prefer to look at different opinions when I'm learning about something for the first time. When I heard myself say that, that I try to remain bipartisan, I just thought it sounded like I'm a lawmaker or something like that. Uh, but when I'm obviously not. Um, so yeah, I just wanted to clarify that. Um, but before we get to this week's rec recommendation, I did want to quickly remind the listeners that you can follow the podcast on social media at SAPod Network. Maybe for some of the newer listeners who tuned in for this episode with DeMonte, if you don't follow the podcast already, go ahead and check us out. Uh, on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, at SAPod Network. If you enjoyed the discussion, want to support the podcast, I would greatly appreciate it. Um, just visit the link in bio on Twitter or Instagram and then click the support monthly button. So I would really appreciate that. But getting back to it this week, I have the famous local Instagram foodie account, SA Lunchador, back with another local recommendation for the listeners. So here he is. Hey there, y'all. It's S.A. Lunchador again with the weekly recommendation for the S.A. Talk podcast. Today, I'm going to be highlighting the Taco Place, which is located in 11395 Shanefield Road in the northern part of San Antonio. Now, I know a lot of people are doing birria in San Antonio. However, this is one place you need to check out if you are a fan of birria. Now, just because they only serve birria doesn't mean you can't have it in different ways. They offer many tacos, quesa tacos, even keto tacos, burritos, tortas, 
Heck, they even have ramen for you to try out with birria. The prices are pretty fair, ranging from about a buck seventy-five for just the mini tacos to around eleven or fifteen for their higher-priced items, including combos and their signature birria pizzeria, which consists of two large flour tortillas filled with cheese and birria to the brim, and your order of consomme for you to dunk it in. It's enough for a family of four or just one lunchador. Just kidding, I can't even finish it. They operate on only a three-day schedule, being Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. And they're only open from 5 to 9 p.m. And trust me, they sell out, so you might want to make sure you get there early to make sure you get a chance at trying them. Also, I can't forget about the drinks. They offer the classic Mexican Cokes. However, they also have their signature Aguas Frescas, which consists of horchata, cucumber lime, and watermelon. And for a little bit extra, you can get them dipped into moyo with all the fixings, which I highly recommend. Make sure you shoot them a follow, though, on Instagram at the taco place to keep up with new items daily specials or just to make sure that they're going to be open on that day that you're going and that's going to wrap it up for my weekly recommendation be sure to follow me on tiktok and instagram at sa lunchador to get some other recommendations of places you might want to go check out and thank you again to sa lunchador for providing this week's recommendation on sa talk like he said, be sure to follow him at S.A. Lunch Adore. That's at S.A. Lunch Adore on Instagram and TikTok. It'll be one of the best foodie account follows you'll ever give. I promise you that. Now, moving on to the question of the week. What do you think it takes as a community to help reduce and eventually eliminate the racial inequity that we face? Um, if you want to answer on Facebook or Instagram, look for the Essay Talk new episode post and leave your answer there. If you want to answer on Twitter, which is my preferred platform for these questions, reply and use hashtag Essay Talk Answers. That's hashtag Essay Talk Answers. With that said, that is going to wrap up this week's episode of Essay Talk. I want to give a huge thank you to all the repeat listeners. It means a lot to me that you all keep listening to the episodes and the content I put out. I also want to thank any new listeners for checking out the show for the very first time. I really hope you enjoyed this episode um, if you're checking it out for the first time. Um, if you did, I would encourage you to check out my other series, Searching for San Antonio, more of an interview-based podcast. If you want to help the podcast out, please give a rate and review on Apple Podcasts. Lastly, if you or any business owners you know are looking to advertise with the podcast, please reach out to me at Zachary at sapodnetwork.com. That's Zachary, Z-A-C-H-A-R-Y at sapodnetwork.com. Thank you all again. Have a wonderful weekend. See you again next week and Viva San Antonio. <laughs>